Welcome to the Making It Happen podcast, hosted by Tom Heaney. Tom is a serial entrepreneur with a passion for helping people realize their true potential. He's on a mission to connect people that make it happen in the real world, to bring you their story, to inspire and help you achieve amazing results. Here's your host, Tom Heaney. Welcome to an episode of Making It Happen with Tom Heaney. Now, I've got a really inspiring chap. I've known him now a good number of years. And the whole point of this podcast is to help you uh, maybe get inspired, get an idea, um, have have more confidence, knowing that if they can do it, why can't you? And it might give you some ideas on what you can do to the next step. Or just just think, you know what, what an awesome chap or chapess that person is. And that gives you just some inspiration in life. So um, I've got the privilege to have Robbie in my own home. Thanks for coming down. And um, we met just through networking. And so I'm, I'm a businessman. He's a businessman. But we all have different chapters in our life. So in this uh, interview and chat, I just want to delve into the world of Robbie, find out how he ended up where he is, and then just get some maybe some top tips or some advice on if people are going to mirror or want to follow in his footsteps, what would they do too? So welcome to my home. Yeah, thanks for having me. And it's Christmas. It is Christmas. Robbie yeah. says he doesn't really celebrate Christmas in his house. I think he said bar humbug. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, yeah, something like that. <laughs> so um, the reason I want Robbie here is because you know you you actually did something awesome for the country, and that means you made a commitment to actually serve to to protect the UK. And not everybody a has the the balls to do that, uh, but also the the actually commitment or or skill to be able to really be on the front line. So he uh, he'd been in the Marines. Yeah. And then leaving the Marines, you then set up a really successful business and you've managed to exit that business and, and sell it for five and a half million quid. And and so for me, I mean, there's some awesomeness in that. And I want to delve into how come you, how, you know, if you're awesome just by those stats, mm-hmm. um, but he's just like you and I'm just like you. So how did he make that happen? So let's delve right back. So when did you join? How did you end up in the Marines? Well, I think it was more of an accident, really. I mean, I was, you know, from a small sort of uh, farming village, and it was either when you leave school, you go work on the farm or work in the local woodyard or whatever. And by chance, the school had sent us on a on a one week sort of uh, taster session with the Marines down, not the Marines, the Navy down in Portsmouth, and it was really good. It was, you know, it was away from home. You were doing outdoor activities, lots of sport. There was lots of things you could do, and I thought, oh, I'll give this a try. And so I, I just applied to join the navy and i literally left school and went straight in um so did you know that you were going to end up in the marines or did you just get did you, did you make the decision to join the navy because of just the fact that it, it met just, the activities it was fun i it just, just seemed, didn't have a clue yeah what i wanted to do uh-huh. when i left school i had no idea i mean i thought about being a teacher or an architect this i had all these different ideas and i just couldn't settle on one and going to university wasn't something anybody in our family did Mm-hmm. We just it was all just we all workers or we'd set up businesses. Our uncles had quite a lot of businesses, so that 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 seemed a bit too far away for me at that at that age at sixteen. I just want I just wanted to get a job, yeah. and, and uh, get some money coming. So the navy, I thought, well, that sounds a great way to do it, and I was I was accepted. And then once I got in, I basically played sport all the time. I mean, I had a job, but I was very rarely at my desk or doing stuff. I was either way playing rugby, boxing judo any sport I, I did fencing i did any sport that came along just sounds nice so you get paid to just have, yeah, have a nice it time was great. yeah this was in the the days long before the defense cuts when uh-huh. when, when you, you were allowed to get away and do these sort of things uh i managed to train with the, the field gun crews you know that used to run at earl's court and, and all these sorts of different um, what an experience 
you know, I never, and it was just a great sort of life. But when I was, I was on the Navy boxing team and we were surrounded by, there was a lot of Marines on the team and they actually were full-time training. And uh, I thought, I'm going to join the Marines so I can be full-time training in boxing. Uh, I applied to join the Marines, got in, and then I never boxed again. So uh-huh. <laughs> it was like, you know, but I still played a lot, an awful lot of sport. I played, rug- I played rugby for the Marines and, and different things. And other sports, but rugby was was the main sport that I was really uh, into. Now, a lot of people listening uh, might be able to relate to the fact that when you're a youngster or you're about to leave school, you have no idea really what you want to do. Yeah, and you're almost a little lost lamb. I can completely relate to that. And so you, you were making the decision purely based on the fact that it met the needs of that. You like to do sport. Yeah. And the idea of a career wasn't really in your thought process. It was oh, yeah, more like... Roof over your head, three square meals a day. Yeah, and structure and routine. Yeah. And so people, like, it's almost like quite... I think because I was in process. boarding school, it was, in a, it was quite a structured environment anyway mm-hmm. it actually set you up to, to, to go into that structured environment you know so you mean the fact you, you became a marine at 18 uh, is, is actually uh, is it is it quite an uh, this must be quite a scary thought because there's some of the things you've been placed in at 18 uh, how, how did you cope and and did you were you ready for it at 18 i don't think it entered my head i think you're so carefree and you know sort of crazy at that age that well i certainly was and you just you just didn't think about it mm-hmm. you know as you get older, then you start to realise, bloody hell, these lot are shooting back. Yeah. You know, so it, it, it's like, you know, it, it doesn't, you think yeah, you can take on the world when you're 18, you know, so it didn't really enter my head. I didn't sort of think, oh, I'm a bit scared here. You know, even when, like I said, we went to Northern Ireland, working on the, in the troubles over there on the streets of Belfast, it didn't really entertain you, you know, that, that, that there was any sort of trouble. You just, it was your job, you just went and did it. So, you, what, you were in the Marines for what, 11 years, 11 and a half years? In the time with the Navy and the and the Marines combined, it was about 11 and a half years. Okay, well, so in that time, then, let's say in the Marines, uh, was there any particular vivid vivid events that happened that maybe you sort of want to share, like a good story or uh, again, uh, just a, I think an experience? That, I think just going back to Northern Ireland, the only one that really sticks in my head, I mean, it was, I've been out... Uh, Maybe thirty years. Yeah. So it, there's a lot of the memories of God, yeah. <laughs> um, but one stuck sticks in my head where we, we were actually patrolling uh, in uh, the Crumlin Road prison in Belfast, which is right opposite the law courts. And we'd gone in to see the detachment sergeant, and he sat us down and gave us a, de- a briefing about you know how how to go about in the prison. And he said there is plastic explosives and there is weapons in the hands of Gosh. the prisoners. And I, I was very, <laughs> just over, I was wow. only 19 or something like that. And you think, so that was a sort of wake up call. But it, like you say, look, I didn't, it didn't really scare. It was all just went, oof. You know, I didn't uh-huh. really go, oh, I'm, I'm frightened of that. But you just, you, you were aware because mm-hmm. we had weapons as well. So at least it was, we had a trade off. It's mm-hmm. not like we had, didn't have an, a means to fight back. But it, it was quite a little, on reflection, it's quite a scary. Yeah, thought. now you're getting older. Now I'm getting and, older. And, I'm and, thinking, oh, great. Yeah, the no, values change. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So, so somebody who's listened to this, maybe actually they might listen to this because they, they're, they, they've seen that you were a marine and you've been in the navy, and they're wondering, is there is it the right thing to do for them? So, if if you could give any advice or even just a word of warning or a tip. Uh, anything uh, to you, if uh, let's say it was your son saying, "Dad, I'm thinking about joining the navy," what would you be saying to them? As a, uh, and this might sound funny, but you, when if you do go in, you'll get it. Learn to iron. All right. You know what I'm saying that. If well, I'll definitely not get in. If you can't iron, <laughs> if you can't iron, you're, you're going to have so much trouble with your kit, yeah. and you're going to be in so much bother. It's you know looking after your kit, especially with the, the Marines was even harder on it than than the Navy. 
Can you hire somebody to iron for well, you? Because that's what I would want to do. Well, look, no, but, no, but you seriously have to look after your kit, and yeah. uh, that, that's the one thing. And on a more serious note, it's 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 get physically prepare yourself. Mm-hmm. One for for the for the you know whether it's the Marines or the Navy or the Air Force, but get physically prepared to go in because it'll make it easier once you are in. But uh, also, so when you say physically prepared, what do you mean by that? Uh, running fitness. You know, upper body weight strength. You know, yeah. because you've got to climb ropes, you've got to carry packs, you've got, to, you know. So, especially these days where a lot of children don't really do a lot of exercise, mm-hmm. and them, you find the day they either really do a lot of sport or they do none. There's no in between. Uh-huh. So, if you played rugby or something, like that, you've probably got a head start because you're used to that sort of uh, intensity. But um, so you need to. It's physically prepare yourself. But the next thing is is to actually think long and hard before you sign on the line and speak to people that have been in because it's actually not for everybody and and it's you see the brochures and you see you know you get this amount much lead you get this many benefits you get this amount of pay but like i said earlier jokingly they actually they actually are firing back yeah at some point yeah, the, the reality the reality is that you know you could end up dead or yeah. you could end up injured or you know you've seen people come back from war zones with lost limbs thankfully you haven't yeah, yeah. you see people with PTSD there's a lot there's there's a report with every week there's a suicide nearly every week mm. from 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 for veterans so, yeah that's a really important point you made so uh, so the whole uh, mental health has always been around it's yeah. just that now it's it's much more transparent people talk about it. because people yeah. are, are i think with the event of social media people are put they, they put out their stuff and like I'm struggling or and it's like that's mm. like they they the modern cry for help yeah. You know, they'll stick a post up on social media or whatever, or they'll, they'll make it known that way. And um, and also, it, it may have been happening in the past, but now we can get statistics very quickly at the push of a button. You know, a friend of mine set up uh, Veterans Against Suicide. Yeah. It's, it's basically a Facebook page and a blog or whatever. Okay. And, like, they report things, in, in, and they'll, they'll say, somebody might put a post up, I'm struggling this week, so bang, they'll... They'll dispatch some his home. And okay, great, oh, a great so service. So it's a great little thing, but that never happened in the past. Yeah. But um, you know, it's it's still you see it every week. There's another one gone. There's another one mm. taking his life. You know, all this sort of. So stuff. let's so, well, you know, the, the Marines. When you're if you're placed in a really stressed environment, um, how how did you cope with that? Because it, you know, it's not some people would really struggle with that. The fact that they, you know their life is is at risk and you know, and you are controlled. Like you're told when to sleep, when to eat, and some people would love that. But um, how 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 did you cope with that? Um, the, the fact that you're always at risk when you. Well, the, the only the only time I was I personally felt really at risk was in Northern Ireland. Mm-hmm. So the rest yeah. of the time it was pretty laid back. I was either in barracks, I was playing sport, or I was on training courses or whatever. Sometimes you probably felt more at risk when you're trying to do some of the training courses because some of the stuff that you're doing it was quite yeah. scary. Yeah. But from a a threat point of view, from an, it was Northern Ireland, and to be honest, I didn't even think about it. Yeah, so I, I, I just you know, I think you were so busy getting your kit ready, sleeping, get training, and all these sorts of things, getting yourself mm-hmm. prepared, doing your your admin, your in your work, that time just flew by. You didn't have time to to worry about. Yeah, like that, you know, and, and if, I, if a call uh, came, you know, like some incident went off, and you had to run into with a jeep and go out and do it. You just did it. Yeah, you didn't sort of run stand at the back and oh, I'm not going today. Mm-hmm. I can't be bothered. You know, so. It, but it's not until later, when you reflect on it, when you're a bit older, you think, "Oh, crazy! I want to do that again." Yeah. So then, so moving from 
um, military life into civilian life, a lot of people, you know, you said about PTSD and people, there's like lots of um, high suicide risk with people transitioning from out, out of uh, military life. Um, so you know, let's just delve into that slightly. So you know, I, I'm not I'm not saying I'm right or wrong. It's just it's a, it's, a, it's a thought that one reason people maybe struggle is because they're so structured. They're taught when to sleep, when to eat, like the structure of the day. They have a purpose because they're serving. Um, they, they are, they, they're achieving because there's like lots of competition. There's lots of investment, and then they move into civilian life and they've lost all that, and it's a bit they feel lost. Uh, and so it's um, how how come you because I mean you seem to be well you set up a business. Massively successful from that uh, compared to so many people. So how how did you cope with that that la- like that lack of structure and and so talk us through how well did, I, I the think transition? basically I created a structure because I, I'd set up my my first gym three months prior to actually leaving the Marines. Mm-hmm. And I was I was basically on leave but getting paid, but I actually set the gym up. Yeah. So I started the gym in the January and I didn't leave till the sort of April. You know. Mm-hmm. Did you have a plan, or was it just was it just winging no, it, good feeling? I, I had a plan to open the gym, mm-hmm. and it, and it went along well. But yeah, so when you set up a small business, you're so busy. I was up at like five o'clock in the morning. I was painting the the gym out. I was painting yeah. the equipment. I was refurbishing benches, you know, carpeting places, painting, can, yeah, you know, everything that goes with. Setting up when you you didn't have time to get stressed or worry about it. you know like, you just had to get on with it you know and like uh, any business you know ultimately you committed aren't you it's yeah, like yeah. massive action commitment just absorbs your life just to yeah. get it going but so, the byproduct is like um, how long like twenty five years twenty five years later yeah you, like, you sell the businesses that you're involved in for but like people say you know it's all roses and I, mean, I was actually sleeping on the gym floor for the, <laughs> for, for a certain period uh-huh. of time and like. You know, sleeping in, in the change rooms and when the gym was shut and all this, no, I, I, I couldn't afford to live anywhere. Yeah, and it was, it, but then it, you, it built up and built up. You know, so, um, and I think them sorts of sacrifices makes it. You have to make them, and it makes it more worthwhile in the end. You know, when yeah, because a, a lot of people just are always looking for the 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 quick fix, the golden uh, gem yeah, that makes them a, a millionaire overnight, and that the reality is it doesn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. What what annoys me a little bit about the modern way that this crowdfunding and youngsters set the oh, I want so much I want somebody to invest in they want a, they want a million pound given them to go and throw out some sort of thing that's like you know stick it up in the wind and see if it works but yeah. uh, I think it's the grind and the sort of st- the struggle and the challenge that's what mm-hmm. makes it better along you've actually achieved something as opposed to somebody saying there's a million pound yeah. either make it work or, or you'll blow it you know so why then so why would you say you enjoyed being in business rather than just taking another job um, I, I'm I'm not against authority, but in any st- I, I, I'm I'm quite I can quite I can take authority, but I just I thought I just wanted to do something for myself. Mm-hmm. It's not that I didn't want, and I you'd been in the Marines in this way, somebody telling you what to do from the minute you woke up till the minute you went to bed, and I think I think it's just in you. Mm-hmm. To, it's I think it was just in me to be an entrepreneur. Yeah, I get that. I, I, I don't. That's I fire. I didn't, that... I didn't really sort of. You know, when I was 16, I never thought, being, I was talking to this with my son last He said, Dad, I, I, I'm enjoying me. I'll never be a businessman. I said, don't say that and mm. never say never. Because I was like exactly like that at your age. Says, and then 10 years later, I was a businessman. I said, so you just yeah, don't you know what's the corner. I said, I said to him, you were going to be a ballet dancer when you were 12. And yeah. he said, no, you're a welder. I said, don't, <laughs> don't make any decisions yeah. about your future. I want to right. be a sit-on grass cutter when I was that age. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's 
it was just, I think it's just in you going back to the entrepreneurship. Uh-huh. To, my uncle had a scrapyard. My uncle had a fruit shop. Mm. My grandfather was a farmer. My other uncle was a builder. You know, so there was a history of, of people in the family being businessmen. So, yeah. um, and I think that, I think probably my uncle having the scrapyard, I used to hang around that scrapyard as a kid, you know, taking scrap and turning it into money, you know, was that was... My wife says it's still in me. I'll find <laughs> something. I'll make some money out of it somehow. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's just in you. If you're enjoying this series and you're getting value from it, it would be really awesome if you could just leave a review and share it with your friends so we can really widen our reach on helping more people make it happen. Now, as a thank you for doing so, if you screenshot your review and you send it to me on one of my social media platforms, let's say on Instagram, so you can DM me, Tom Heaney underscore property, and you can show me your review or send it to me on Facebook, Tom Heaney Property. Then uh, as a thank you, I'll invite you to a private roundtable mastermind where we're going to be looking at how you can really scale your personal brand, your business, or your property investment uh, portfolio using social media and marketing in 2020. So how can you really smash and scale that? So that'll be happening in February. So if you want to come to that as a complimentary guest, as my thank you for really helping boost our uh, podcast, then you just send me your screenshot. But for one lucky winner for the next six weeks as well, we will also be giving you two complimentary VIP tickets to our boutique Property Wealth and Cash Flow course event where you'll be front row, you'll have a work booklet and a private Q&A with myself on the Sunday with lunch as a thank you for just being awesome. And in addition to that, there'll be an online property training series that helps you understand how you can control property and create over a thousand pounds per property per calendar month using hardly any of your own cash so that's be one lucky winner for the next six weeks so keep enjoying this podcast and once again thanks for tuning in so how did you end up um having a caravan um site after well, setting my gym well, Tell well us my, about transition. my, my business I had a silent partner in in the, in the health clubs and gyms that we set up and uh, he had a caravan park mm-hmm. And I was getting more and more involved helping him with his admin and his marketing and sales and all sorts of stuff like that. And as as I sort of, sort of the gym started, you know, getting a bit old hat and they weren't really, I wasn't getting as much enjoyment out of it. And um, they were, you know, they were making money, but they weren't, you're not thinking, this is not going to make me millionaire or whatever, you know. Um, I, st- I started looking at the caravans thinking, I'm missing a trick here. This is a, actually a very good business. Yeah. And um, I sort of ploughed in and got stuck into it. And, it's um, interesting you're saying you were doing the business and you started thinking this isn't going to make me um, uber or much more wealthier. And yeah. so you start on making decisions and you start looking out in yeah. terms of opportunities to get it. Because that's an important factor, isn't it? When you're starting a business, it's actually start at the outcome. Yeah. Um, so so tell so you started looking for opportunities like this, yeah? And well, it, I wouldn't say I looked for it. It just fell into my lap. I was okay. basically there anyway. And mm. I was helping them out. And I, I, I just sort of, as I was doing the numbers and doing, I'm thinking this is a lot easier than working 12 hours from nine o'clock in the morning to nine o'clock at night in a gym. Yeah. Um, and along, alongside running the gym, I was working in professional rugby as a fitness coach. So mm-hmm. I was doing all these hours trying to, you know, do make ends meet. And I'm mm-hmm. thinking, I can sell a caravan for X amount of pounds and make more money out so of one caravan than yeah. I can in a month. <laughs> yeah. In a gym, you know. Yeah, so. but, but I suppose though, that's, that, that is a key thing, though, that you're doing, though, is you're, you're seeing opportunity or something. So yeah. you, you've met somebody, you, you're seeing how you can help them, yeah. 
yeah. that you're seeing how you how, how there's an opportunity. And so I know you said, oh, it was a, it was a bit of luck, but actually, if you drill it back, well, yeah, it's more I mean, of your attitude and you're just see, that you, commitment to. You've just got to be able to see the, the opportunity yeah, as well. You know, some, that's the thing. As other people were in that situation and they didn't see it, mm. yeah, I, I grabbed it with both hands and ran with it. Yeah. So joint ventures, for example, like I do joint ventures as well, and it's a great way to scale because you 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 you. You're leveraging the ability of someone's skill set and opportunities and and just attitude. And, it's, and business can be boring on your own and lonely. So um, tell me about the joint ventures then. So what, what what's some of the challenges that can come from having joint ventures? Well, it's, it's deciding who does what. Yeah. You know, who's responsible for what. But the great thing I learned about um, and my, my accountant pointed this out to me once. Never go into business with somebody with the same skills as you. Yeah, it's very important. Now... And because people will look at me and my business, but I'm now 53 and Lance is now 72. Mm-hmm. But we're like two peas, we're not like two peas, we're like chalking peas. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's very true. Totally different. Well, I've met Lance, yeah. Totally he's a great chap. Uh, outlooks on life, totally different views on lots of things, but he's very good with dealing with accountants, solicitors, and uh, he remembers dates. He's very good with the finance side of things. And I'm more of the creative person and will take a risk, and he's very risk averse, and I'll try and let's do this, do that. So, Having them two opposite viewpoints, sometimes I'll charge ahead, but he might pull me back, you know, yeah. at times. That's important. And, exactly. And, and the accountant said, you know, I, when he said to me, he said, I see why this works now. Yeah. He said, I, d- I didn't get it at first, but I do now, whereas there's more of a creative person. And it's like when people could talk to me, oh, I want to open the gym, and that, that two gym instructors asking me for advice, as well, the two of you, one of you needs to stop being a gym instructor, and one of you needs to start learning marketing, sales, and advertising. Yeah. Or you need to bring somebody in because if the, if the two you just want to be gym instructors, you'll never get the rest of the work done. Mm-hmm. That or you know or trainers that, that that needs to be done to run that business. So I think that's that's a great thing when you're looking for joint ventures or partners. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so um so because so the benefit then joint venturing with you've skilled a, a great business and um so you, you was in the caravan. So what was it? What was the some of the successes that you've made in the caravan world? Well, I think I think basically. When we got involved, you know, I won't give too many numbers away, but we basically quadrupled turnover in mm. the time. Um, and, you know, the rental income went up. And you had, that, that was the benefit of you coming on board. I think, I hope, I like to think so. You know? Yeah, from uh, some things it's true. Um, and then, um, you know, we, we kept, um, the place was getting more turnover from the rent. That we could put the rates up because we were making better facilities. Uh, we were selling higher uh, priced caravans you know yeah. for value um so yeah and you know by the time we got to the point where we wanted to exit we were a, a good proposition we'd added value and you know we got a, a decent value for, for i think if we'd stayed maybe it's another couple of years we could have added even more value and made it but it mm-hmm. was just getting to the point do i want to keep going the place needed probably about a million pounds better do i want to keep going and reinvesting and reinvesting yeah. or do I want to take it now and would we have made it much more yeah I don't know well so what's, what's interesting is so you've, you've gone through the whole transition of setting up a business you've set up multiple businesses you've joined, joined ventures and then you've exited a business and many people who are listening maybe they've never they actually sold a business so you know very succinctly share with us like what what's some of the challenges or one of the, the key things to look out for if let's say I was going to want to sell my business what's some of the key things you would say like well, Tom I'll look out for this I'll tell you now yeah. I learned more about business <laughs> selling a business uh-huh. than I did running the business okay that, tell me about that because you need to get all your ducks in the row before you even think about selling mm-hmm. you know 
caravan parks that were, were quite rich at the time for mm-hmm. being taken over. The bigger groups wanted to get a hold, so it was basically put up for sale, and we had inquiries and people coming. You know, and it was like, oh, hold on, mm-hmm. you know, you need to get your account sorted. You need to make sure you've got all the right uh, licenses in place. Everything's up to date. You know, your your insurances and, and um, yeah, and with well, there being a caravan park, you need the environmental tests done on you know for your sewerage. There's loads of mm-hmm. things that you know, to be checked before you go, and these things take time. Make sure the elect- electrics are tested. Yeah. You know, it's like when you sell a house, you get a server. We've got it's so much complex. Our caravans all have to be electrically tested. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. System needs to be sound. You know, so. So what about like so? How did they end up? How did you end up valuing that business? How 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 could you put a price on it? Well, it it, it, it goes on your on your profit, but also that's linked to this. They come up with the formula where. It's the, the cost of the rent per pitch times the amount of caravans times another figure. And I, that figure escapes me at the minute. But it, 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 it's a formula. Like a, like got, a multiplier, like yeah, a yield. Yeah, it's a multiplier, yeah. yeah. But it's, bit, it, it's, it's linked to the profit, but also about how many caravans you've got and how much rent that you can bring in from them yeah. caravans. Because mm-hmm. that's your baseline. It income. sounds like similar to, to a commercial valuation on property then. Yeah, it might be, yeah. yeah. So, um, and it's a tried and tested formula that they've used. Great. For years, for for valuing caravan parks, and then the land, there'll be a, a value for the land as well yep. because it all depends how you sell it. We actually sold the land separate mm-hmm. from the business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that had to do with inheritance and tax and stuff like that. So that was so just advice from the professional that team. Just, that's just fantastic. So yeah, um, and I was learning all these things that I'd never heard about before, and um, so that opens your eyes mm-hmm. to um, a whole new field of business of selling a business is, is a totally different thing, and that. I have to say it taught me a lot of stuff. And is there a, is there a percentage that what, what's the cost of selling a business? Is it a, a, well, the, everybody wants a piece of the pie. You know, do, you've yeah. Got uh-huh. your accountants, you've got your solicitors, you've yeah. got the land agent. You know, you've got valuers. Mm-hmm. You've got you know. Then you've got to speak to people about you know inheritance tax. Yeah. And then it's capital gains tax, corporation tax, all these all these taxes. Everybody wants a handout. So and. Believe it, you just make one stroke with a pen the wrong way or somebody doesn't get their fingers right and you can lose an awful lot of money. Yeah. And it might not be then, but you know, two or three years later, we're still sorting out certain things regarding business partners, inheritance tax and uh, corporation tax because it, it goes back for years. Mm-hmm. You have to claim back things because our caravan park was on a what they call a site of scientific interest. So it had we had set different capital allowances allowed on that. And there's another one, capital allowances. For, we, we built the restaurant on the... You know, there was money we could claw back mm-hmm. for that, which we hadn't claimed, which we then got back, which was highlighted when we did our yeah. accounts. You know, so there's, there's loads of pitfalls. Okay, so so you so you saw the business, uh, but the, um, but I mean, you do charitable stuff. Uh, you've you've been volunteering for um, charities that are really close to your heart, yeah. and also you you now you still being you still being entrepreneurial because you know, do you think you're ever going to retire or like, what what's the world look like now you've sold that, that business um, with your joint partner for five and a half mil? Well, we kept the holiday cottages and we've, we've added some properties to the portfolio over the last year or two, and hopefully that's where we're going to go now. Uh, but I just didn't see why you should stop. I think I, I've seen I've seen people stop and they're dead. You know what I mean? Within years, yeah. you know, you, you, I think you've just got to keep, got to keep moving. You've got to keep moving forward. I, I don't think, I don't want to get as deeply involved in having loads of stuff and having. Um, that's your that's choice, isn't it? So, yeah, well, I, I don't got so much to, choice going on right now. A big business anymore. Mm-hmm. I just a, a lifestyle business. We've got enough money in the bank to pay our mortgage off, 
um, and we've got a little business that we can grow Great. now. Yeah. But without going, going but back. you're putting time into charity. So like you you you've been you've been supporting like dyslexia charities yeah, and yeah. Uh, so tell tell us a bit more about like what you what you're involved in in terms of what you're passionate about. Well, I, th- I think my life it's it's to be honest it's the fitness thing that I keep getting dragged. But my wife yeah. put me wrong for doing, but I just I love my fitness and I love. Do, I, go on, I still go on courses. I've just been to London on a course with my friend, and I, and I still keep reading about it and buying books about it and doing it. so. And I still work out a lot. So I'm 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 looking at even though we've got the property thing, I'm I might do another side hustle, which is something to do with the fitness industry. Yeah. And I, I don't think it'll be a gym or anything like that because I've done that and I, I know I can I can do that standing on my head. Mm-hmm. And I, it's not really going to be a challenge. It's just open the unit, fill it with customers, and get them fit. But I think now I'm one of the things I'm really interested in is the recovery side of stuff, mm-hmm. you know, so for longevity, um, movement, um, people getting better sleep, recovering better from training, yeah. and there's, there's all and there's all this uh, artificial intelligence stuff coming out that for for heart rate monitoring and and um, monitoring your sleep. So, and I think this sleep or lack of sleep is a big ep- epidemic at the minute yeah. in the country. People, it's too much blue light. There's too much screens. There's too much screen mm. time, and ninety percent of the people I speak to are struggling with lack of sleep. Yeah, and yeah, I, I agree. And I'll I'll take it back to when I was in the Marines. The first thing, if we want to stress somebody out, say we were doing, I had a prisoner or whatever, and we want to stress them out, all you do is keep them awake. Mm-hmm. Just <laughs> rattle it. Exhaustion. Just and you, you keep you keep somebody awake for forty hours with no sleep, you'll yeah. get anything. They'll tell you anything. Wow. So this is that shows you how bad lack of sleep is. Uh, yeah. in the modern day and I think uh, recovery from whether it's your work or your activities or your sport I think that's something that I'm doing a bit of research at the minute that we might that's exciting well I'll look forward to following that with you yeah. now it's in terms of the just to finish off then so you've, you've set up multiple businesses you've exited the businesses and you've made a great amount of money but you're also giving back to communities through your charitable work if somebody was thinking you know what I, I um, so we've talked about if somebody wanted to go into the, the the navy or the military, some of the thought process behind should what should they think about. If I was think, if somebody was thinking I've never had a business before, I want to get into it. If you if you're like okay, think about X before you delve feet first in. What would you say? I think you've got to know you've got to know your numbers. You've got mm-hmm. to know how much you actually want to earn. Yeah, you know, and start with the end in mind. So say you want a hundred thousand, we'll start there and work back. Yeah. Yeah, hundred thousand pound a year. It's eight grand a month. Mm. Yeah, million pound a year. It's eighty thousand pound a month. So how can you, how can I do that? So on a daily, I, I read a book about uh, if you made two and a half grand a day, that was a million pound day. A million, million pound day. Uh-huh. So how many million pound days do you need? Yeah, to, to get you, you know, and then if you're not making that, well, what can you do? You got to change it. You got to change strategy. Yeah, I suppose when you were saying that you had your, your gym business, but then actually you thought it's not going to make you the wealth that you wanted. So that's yeah. why, even subconsciously, when your opportunity arose with well, the yeah, land, you see, you stand there, and you're then you were like, 12, right, there, there's the numbers. You're working twelve hours a day and yeah. you're making X amount of pounds. And you think, well, it's, it's all right. I was, I wasn't doing badly, but mm-hmm. I wasn't like getting to them levels. Scalable, and, and yeah, to be honest, yeah. then you get to them levels, and and since you know. I play a lot of golf, as you know, and and, I, and I'm mixing with some people. You still not invited me, by the way. Well, we were, <laughs> and uh, I've started mixing with some people who have exited from business far, far in a larger scale than I have. Mm-hmm. And you're thinking, I thought I was doing okay, and I did. Don't get me wrong, but when you see they're doing twenty, thirty, forty, fifty, a hundred and fifty million exits, yeah, and you're thinking, 
that that's just madness to me. I, I actually can't get my head around that. Mm. Something that that is a big business. You know? Yeah, I and, get that. Uh, so I, I think I know my level. You know that that and and but the you know I'm I'm a success compared to some people, but there's people. No, there's really, always somebody in the level. Yeah, but it's a totally different level. Yeah. So what you're saying they're busy doing numbers game and ultimately start at the outcome. What size business do you want, and do, will the business be able to scale to get to the level then, that you really and, want? And I think a lot of them don't think of the exit either. Yeah. What is your exit strategy? Mm. Are you are you starting this business now? Yeah. And are you going to stay with it till you retire? Yeah. Or are you going to do ten years and exit? Are you going to do That's three important. years and exit? I agree. Yeah. You know some of these startups now that they've got them for three years and the exits boom they're out yeah, and brilliant. they've made so many millions and then they'll go into some you know these mm. tech uh, guys you know so yeah um and, and it's it's certainly the env- if i'll say one thing the environment now for starting a business has never been easier yeah brilliant. it is it, the the entry level and the the stuff you need you can you can start with a smartphone mm-hmm. if you're technology is fantastic so yeah. you know the, the the entry level i i it was hundreds of thousands of to start, you know, years mm. back, a gym would cost you hundred grand just for a basic setup. Yeah. Now you can go out and get it, the pe- it's pennies to buy yeah. gym equipment now, or, or or whatever you want. So the the entry level is 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 lower down, and it's so much easier. But and also the tech you've got, like QuickBooks for accounting. Yeah. Lower startup costs. It's yeah. just it's just phenomenal. It's great. So that's really exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And so a young entrepreneur has never had a better time. Yeah. To start up, the, the challenges and the and the um, the barriers to entry is, is so much lower. So from from what you've said, then it just sounds like um, you, know, you, you the way you've lived your life is just by taking massive action constantly by by not just being complacent by being passive. You're you're very active and in control of the life that you've got, and it, it, maybe that's why when you left such a strict structured military life, you then moved into business because you, you kept building structure into your life and not not being a victim to to no structure or not a victim to <laughs> well, you seem to be so in control yeah, of what you're well, doing well my, my wife said i still lived in the barracks because <laughs> i had my house here yeah i had my gym here like yeah. a mile away the caravan park was half a mile over there the golf course was a mile over there she says you're yeah. still in your little barracks yeah uh, so i created a like your little so uh, CFA, but did you iron military style? Oh, I still, still do now. all the ironing. Yeah, I still do all the. I've got a pal right here if you want. If you get, if you get, if you run out. Well, it's been really, it's been great chatting with you. And um, if if people want to follow you, are you on social media? Yeah, it's just my name, Robbie Redpath. Yeah, I generally, Facebook's the main one I Fantastic. use. Fantastic. Uh, um, we have a website for our holiday company, and Bamber Breaks. That's the, yeah, the sort of the website that we have. But um, and I, I don't really use any. I don't. Twitter earlier. Yeah, you find him on a golf course. I've got an account, but uh, I don't know. <laughs> well, it's been great, and uh, it's been a pleasure. Cheers, yeah. dude. Thanks, Andy. Yeah. Now, before you listen to the next episode, I want to say a massive thank you if you are already a subscriber, and I know some of you have yet to subscribe. I am watching. Please do hit that subscribe button so you get alerted when the next episode comes out, and it's every single week. And the comments, the more you engage, the more you tell us what you want, the more we can help serve you and get the best results to make it happen now some people don't know we exist yet and they could be some of your friends just think one episode could really help transform and change the direction of their life for the better so please do share it with them too enjoy the next episode and i'll see you soon